0: We are now living in what climate scientists have called the Anthropocene, meaning the present geological epoch from the time of the Industrial Revolution onwards, during which humanity has begun to have a significant impact on the environment. During the recent years of the Anthropocene, we've witnessed large extinctions of plant and animal life that accompany environmental degradation and climate change. Most of the news isn't good, but occasionally a bright spot appears on the horizon, and that merits talking about on Earth Day. The writer Donna Haraway, in her book, Staying with the Trouble, describes four critical geographical areas that have been hit hard by human activity in this new time period. Coral reefs throughout the world's oceans, the Arctic, the Colorado Plateau's Black Mesa that has been the home of the largest strip mining operation in North America, and the Republic of Madagascar, a large island nation off the east coast of Africa. This unique home, this unique place is home to complex layered tapestries of historically located peoples and critters, including lemurs who are close relatives of monkeys and apes. Nine out of ten of Madagascar's animals, including all species of lemurs, live nowhere else on Earth. The smallest primates in the world is a lemur, the Madame Berthes mouse lemur. It weighs just a couple of ounces. Lemurs are only found in the areas around Madagascar Islands where they have a very diverse habitat. Some of them thrive in the forest and others do extremely well in the hot desert. They all consume fruits, flowers, and insects to help them be able to survive. According to researchers, 16% of lemur species are now considered to be critically endangered, 23% endangered, and 25% vulnerable. All of them have a very uncertain future. Unfortunately, the rate of extinction and destruction of the many kinds of Madagascar's forests and watershed, which are vital for its rural people and for plants and animals, is increasing. Evidence from photography indicates that 40 to 50 percent of the island's forests that were still thriving in the 1950s are now gone. And a lot of that was due to search-and-destroy operations, extractions, And many um, of these projects not only impacted the land and the animals, but also the villagers. Sorry. Poverty and political instability have also undermined Madagascar's environmental management. Slash-and-burn agriculture, selective logging of precious wood like rosewood and ebony, and fuel wood harvesting has accelerated deforestation and erosion, which in turn has altered microclimates leading to droughts, forest fires, and soil degradation. Bushmeat hunting of the lemurs has also increased in recent years. Fortunately, some remarkable people have addressed the threat to lemurs on Madagascar with a unique project I'd like to tell you about. The first is the scientist Alison Jolie, who was a Yale graduate studying lemur behavior in 1962 fell into what she calls non-innocent love and knowledge in her first encounter with a female-led, swaggering, opportunistic, ring-tailed lemurs in the spiny forest and dry gallery forest on the south of the island. (laughs) Simply and transformatively, this young American woman became a lover and seeker and knowledge and well-being with and for the beings of Madagascar, especially this astonishing species of lemurs, as well as for the island's complex people. Author Donna Haraway goes on to say, In the marrow of her bones, Jolie understood the terrible contradictions and frictions in her embrace of both the rural people who cut and burned the forest to make small agricultural plots and her beloved prosimians, the lemurs, and all their forest partners. This kind of conflict between people and animals, as wild areas shrink and human populations expand, can be seen on every continent. Haraway points out that Jolie knew in detail what the press of rapidly expanding human numbers meant to the forests that are located in places with a history of land dispossessions, relocations, a succession of failed governments, huge solicited and imposed natural national debt, and broken development promises. She wrote vividly about local people's accurate assessment of the effects of generations of visiting experts, while the experts and visiting research scientists often knew little about the terrible history of land seizures, colonial and post-colonial search and destroy operations, rapacious extraction schemes, and the impact on villages of these failed projects. On the other hand, She also knew what sustained, committed work of real colleagues and friends could accomplish on Madagascar against the odds and across differences of all sorts. And so began a project, though small, which can be considered a model system for blending art and science, the ACO project. The project's first step was to assemble a series of six books Written in both English and Malagasy that vividly narrate the adventures of six kind of young Malagasy lemurs. The books have been illustrated by artist Deborah Ross, whose watercolors of fauna and flora first brought Jolie to her attention. I'd be happy to share the book I sent for from the Lemur Foundation in the social hall if anybody would like to see one of the six books. They really are wonderful. The stories are fleshed-out natural histories full of sensuous and bumptious adventures of the gutsy young lemurs, living the joys and dangers of their habitats and their group social arrangements. The histories show each lemur species with diverse plant and animal critters proper to their habitats. The project provides teachers' guides in Malagasy, beautifully crafted posters showing the unique island locations where the stories take place. They are not textbooks, but instead are stories, feasts for the mind, heart, and body for adults and for children who often have no access to storybooks or to the animals of their own nation. Most Malagases never see a lemur, they're very hard to spot, I might add, on land, television, or in a book until this project the ACO project did a kind of end run around the money star schools and unresponsive bureaucracies. Jolie added one more person to the project, Hanta Rasa-Mimanana, a scientist trained in animal husbandry at the Veterinary Academy in Moscow, where she earned an MA in primate conservation and studied also at the Museum National d'histoire naturelle in Paris, where she earned her Ph.D., she is now an advisor on the Madagascar National Curriculum where she heads the ACO Project's teacher support program and for which she wrote the Malagasy's teacher's guides. She also runs the project's workshops for adults and children in rural areas and this all continues today. As Arthur Hathaway points out, in all their attachments, working with the books and poster artists together with the scientists, storytellers, Allison Jolie, and Hanta Rassami Manana, as well as artist Deborah Ross, they brought the Eco project into the world. In this project and in their work, they have nurtured new generations of Malagasy naturalists and scientists, including small children, field station guides, and school and university students. With their relentless commitment, these three have practiced in solidarity the art of living on a damaged planet and it matters. The ACO project is just one of many where adults are working intensively with children and young people to restore habitats and protect plants and animals. Some of these habitats are on land, some in oceans and streams, but what they have in common is that they've been threatened or damaged by population growth and subsequent development, by hunting and poaching, by overfishing, and, of course, by climate change. Now, looking at my own history, I've been working on environmental causes since the first Earth Day in 1970, and I still am. But, and it's a very big but, although I still will be working on those causes for years to come, the Earth's well-being or lack of well-being will be felt most by people in their 30s and young adults and children as well as those not yet born rather than by my generation. So I am astounded and pleased to see how the younger generation are now not only well-informed about the environment, but actively involved in protecting it. So before I end, I'd like to tell you about one more such project involving young people, the Billion Oyster Project in the New York City area, which my sister and her school, as I'll explain, got involved in, and that's how I earned about it. New York area restaurants go through an enormous amount of oysters every day and then throw out the shells. But a teacher of aquaculture at the Harbor School, Pete Malinowski, had an idea that could help both the restaurants and their oyster supply and also teach students to apply their learned skills to a problem in their own backyard, the degradation of the New York Harbor. Malinowski devised a three-year curriculum where students grow oysters, design, build, and monitor reefs and operate boats and perform marine biology research. The project depended on the cooperation of restaurants who were happy to oblige and who have collected and donated more than one million pounds of oyster shells with the goal of creating one billion live oysters across 100 acres of reefs by 2035. The project depends on many more schools than the Harbor School. Fifteen years after the start of the project, it involves more than 80 middle schools, including my sister Joan Wolf's Hewitt School in Manhattan. That works out to 1,215 high schools and 6,500 middle school students. In addition to building new reefs from the donated shells and breeding oysters called spats to grow on them, the project trains school teachers and their students to operate oyster research stations where they care for the growing oysters and monitor them for water quality and biodiversity. To date, the project has resulted in planting 28 million oysters in nine oyster reefs, including four community reefs where New Yorkers of every age can volunteer. While the health of the New York Harbor and its ecosystem is a top priority for Billion Oyster Project, Malinowski, the founder, says he is most proud of the work they do with kids. And I quote, Through this work, students develop awareness of and affinity for oyster resources and the confidence in knowing that their actions can make a difference. With young people who care, the harbor has a real fighting chance. And that thought, I will add to you on Earth Day, with, with young people who care, the oceans, the forests, national parks, urban green places, our beaches, streams, and lakes, and the plants and animals that inhabit them have a real fighting chance. Maybe the takeaway, if there needs to be one, is that we are now living on a damaged planet, but Earth Day and every day, If we engage with relentless commitment in preserving the planet from the worst of climate change and other threats to Mother Earth, we can make a difference, as did the ACO project to the lemurs and people of Madagascar, and the Billion Oyster project did for the New York Harbor.